<clears throat> Hello, good day. Hello, what's up, Mr. McGarry? What's up, Mr. Rudolph? Is that Rudolph? Rudolph? Is that yeah, that correct? works. Tree, right? Yeah, tree. Tree Rudolph. Is what is up? <clears throat> what are you drinking? You are drinking? Yeah, I got uh, white Russians. White Russians? In a in pre-mixed? Yeah, yeah, in the bottles. Awesome. I just cracked a... Uh, a Bach, I don't know what it is. Some some kind of dark beer. The that subway took a really long time. Like, do you ever go to a subway and there's one person working? Yeah. And they yeah. keep having to go back and forth. Yeah, I, I tend to stay away from subways. I'm not not a fan. It's not. It's really not that great. It's it's not very fresh. We're I was just talking about this the other day. It's like the worst of the fresh ingredients you could probably probably get. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like after you eat Subway that you've had a bunch of healthy vegetables. Oh, not at all. Um, Especially when you get it from like a truck stop and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> I got to eventually get um, the, the – my work computer has the camera on it, but this one doesn't. It's, I'm at home on my old school computer. So um, did you have fun skating yesterday? Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was good. it was hot. It was hot as shit, and it rained, but it worked out. Park Street. What'd you do? Uh, all Street. All Street. Nice. Street Adventures. I only got busted once, and they're real cool. And <clears throat> I swear you were in Las Vegas last time. No, where are you now? Uh, Cincinnati. Ah, uh, that's right. That's right. Cincinnati. Back home. Um. So format-wise, how do you want to do this? Are you technically the host of this one? Uh, I guess so. I assume I'm taking that position. Um, <laughs> if you want to get right into it, we can go ahead and do that. Let's do it. Is uh, the microphone everything picking up fine? I'm outside, so you might get some weird noises. And... No, it yeah. sounds pretty good. Cool. Go with it then. Yeah. All right. Uh, so for the past like two, three weeks, I've been trying to catch up on the podcast to do this. And that's damn near impossible. You guys have like 140 plus episodes and uh you know i did the math and that's over a week straight of listening to podcasts that's almost physically impossible to do and um i was thinking too like it's not really the right way to do it like you know you got to be in the podcast mood to listen to a podcast you know otherwise you don't really take it in like you should yeah but uh i mean how does that feel that you've produced enough content so that a week's worth straight you could uh you know, entertain somebody, actually. Um, the first one was a fluke. Like, Todd didn't even want to release it. He just sent me a recording of his voice. So mm-hmm. um, from that to now, it feels really good. I wish uh, we did more, though. Like, in a perfect world, we would do two or three a week. So I feel like uh, we haven't done enough. And I haven't re- hearing those numbers. Are, it's really interesting. I'm, but I'm like a podcast whore. Like I, I listen to podcasts all the time. So, um, do you have like a commute or something like that where you can listen to the podcast? Or I, how do you? Listen to it? I, uh, I do it when I'm doing mundane stuff like uh, cleaning and and washing dishes, and I listen to them sometimes at work, depending on like uh, if I if I don't have to listen to like uh, audio mm-hmm. at all, I'll listen to them, and I'll do it like while exercising or hiking. In the car, I'm pretty. I play them sometimes. Like there's certain weeks where I play them more than I do music. But mm-hmm. so, yeah. you, so basically, when your your body's moving, your your mind's kind of free to. to yeah, listen. definitely. Yeah. Um, 
there's something to be said about like when you're on autopilot it's nice to like it feels like you're hanging out with the people too it kind oh, of yeah yeah and yeah, so, definitely get that from your guys' podcast too for sure awesome that that thing's so important because the fact that it's unedited uh all of my favorite podcasts aren't aren't edited, so. Oh, it's the same here. It just it feels so much more real, and you know you don't have like you guys don't have a jingle to begin with or anything like that. And, you know, it's not like a morning talk show, you know. It's, yeah. It's, it's very real. And that's more interesting to me, I think. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's the best form of. Um, it's so specific. Like uh, I, I can't think of any other thing where it's that raw and. And, uh, like, so much stuff in our lives have editing, so it's nice to listen to unedited things. And it's the best way to do it, too, because you don't have to watch anything. Although, oh, yeah, it's easiest. I mean, you're, you're done. You're, you just, uh, it's easiest to make, I, I would assume. Yep. You don't have to do any work when, as far as uh, editing or anything like that. That's another thing. Um, yeah, you can just record it and put it up. And, it's really, and I'm still surprised that there isn't a bunch of skating podcasts. I still have no idea why there aren't more like I, yeah i'm shocked they had the like the razors news was going for a little while I yeah that. but that's not really a podcast more of just like a video thing yeah oh yeah because they called that the the razors podcast and there was a rolling revival for a while oh yeah yeah that was great, that was great. um but, and that's it like i even for people yeah like how razors did it people promoting like a product or service within skating i'm so surprised it's it's uh Maybe people think that it's going to be too much work, or they would want to edit it. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty of people that are nervous about it too. Do you do you get nervous when you do a podcast? It it's the same thing as like um uh when you like go to do exercise or you're trying to drag your ass to work or something. It's like there's that first uh 15 to 40 minutes where you go from uh like a regular state into more of a what feels like a flow state like i remember the mike torres one i think when i said that we had been doing two hours it happens all the time like you don't realize that it's at the two hour mark when it is like you don't you don't realize you've been talking for that long because it right. oh that's another thing it's amazing to sit and talk for i've probably said this on other podcasts to sit and talk for uh two two hours is awesome. It's it's so important to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very relieving. I'm I'm sure. Super like, therapeutic. Uh, therapeutic, yeah, exactly. That's because uh, <laughs> I can't think of um, when I'm at parties and and things. I love talking more like one on one than in groups yeah. to people. And I I can't remember the last time um, I've like just sat down with a friend and talked for two hours. So. I don't know. The podcast kind of forces me but, out of my comfort zone, but I should do it more often. It's very rare that you get that situation where you're just, you know, one on one with somebody talking for an extended period of time, for sure. It's true. And, uh, do you ever go back and listen to a previous podcast? No. Um, at the start, I I tried to, and now I just uh, I try and just set them free. But I think there would be a lot of benefit in going back and listening to them, but. Yeah, that's that's a daunting task now. Yeah, well, if you ever get seven or seven days uh, free time, you can do it without sleeping. <laughs> I wonder what I would discover. I'm sure I try and call call myself on it when I like repeat stories or anything like that. But that would be the first thing I'd be afraid of. Um, 
but that would be interesting. No, I, I'm sure I, I will eventually. I've listened back to a couple of ones. I think there was a Leon one that I listened to a few times because there's, there's certain episodes where I feel like after they're done, it's like, wow, we really figured some shit out. And then I f- I'll forget what we talked about. So and you do you do some interesting things with the podcast too, like the voicemails, like the voicemail with Leon and uh, Todd. Oh, that that and, was uh, really Dustin. cool. That's that was, really um, cool. that was full on. That's Leon. That was his idea. So uh, that was a really interesting idea. Uh, uh, I appreciate that you guys uh, don't just do the you know have a standard format that you follow or anything like that. That's true. There was talk of a, of a jingle at one point. Now I'm glad we haven't done it. I think there might be songs, but not a specific jingle. There might just randomly be songs in future podcasts, but we'll see. All right. Um, how much? Uh, how much do you prepare for a podcast, or do you prepare at all, or do you just go in with like a blank slate? I like. Uh, it's kind of the same thing for um, a skate day, where sometimes there's preparation and sometimes there's there's not. Um, depending like someone, someone like Frank Stoner or, uh, a lot of the times, oh, like the Jason Marshall one. What's that? Was it pretty, is it, does it get intimidating talking to people like that? Yeah. Frank Stoner was intimidating just cause he's a, uh, he's an incredibly intelligent dude. So I, I was worried that I couldn't hold my own language wise, but he's going to be on again, I think next week. Um, oh, that's awesome. I remember the Jason Marshall one, ones like that, where mm-hmm. uh, it's someone who I grew up watching his skating and I know like every little trick and kind of skates that he had. I like, I'll go through and watch, rewatch all of his stuff and just write down all of the stuff that I remember that stuck out to me. So lots for that. For um, certain solo podcasts, it'll be... I will have notes and then certain solo podcasts, I'll just have like a feeling of wanting to uh, blab for a while, but I do like to have notes a lot of the time. And then for ones where it's like Todd and I, we can pretty much go on nothing for hours and it'll just bounce around perfectly from topic to topic. Cause like I said, before we even knew what a podcast was, we would just like, we would, we would drink coffee and bullshit on the way to skate sessions and i think everybody does that too and oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's why i think there should be more podcasts because i mean uh, it happens on a regular basis i'm sure I, I i know just from being around i just get into you know just a groove of just talking about skating and then wherever it goes is wherever it goes you know i love that like uh yeah like hanging out after skating or uh parties or pubs or whatever when i've traveled for skating i love just hearing snippets of the conversations that are going on it can be so funny it can be everything from like this guy did this trick to i love this skate because of this or uh talking about old skate videos or does that guy skate anymore there's just so many different topics and uh, And it goes beyond skating yeah it always does yeah it goes in again it's it kind of blows me away that there isn't more podcasts because it's you record it and put it up. It could be because of the people want uh, things to be edited. So I don't know. But there, there's like um, Kevin Smith was on the Joe Rogan podcast once and he said like the depth of, of human beings. Like we go so deep in terms of in a conversation, someone can say something that brings up a story that you actually haven't told or or uh, 
the depth of uh, of our life experience. There's so much to be covered from podcast to podcast, and you never know where it's going to go. But that's why I think there should be more. Um, I agree. Everybody uh, has so much to say. Uh, your your solo podcasts are, are probably my favorite, just because oh, I feel like you. I can, you know, I feel like I feel like I relate to it, and I feel like you know you're just talking to me. You know, it's like this guy is just telling me. You know, I feel like I'm having a one on one conversation with you when you do a solo podcast. Oh, that's that's awesome. I've thought. Uh, when I had like a, a career change idea, but I would have had to go to school for so long, um, I would have loved to have been like some form of counselor person. Not that I'm saying solo podcasts are counseling, but it's that like one-on-one side of me that uh, at parties, yeah, I love to- I'll blab one person's face off for a long time. And then I don't know how that translates into blabbing to myself for a long time. I don't know. Think of it like this: if you, if you, therapy, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, think about it this way: if there was a clone of yourself, think of how you could have like the longest conversations with yourself. You know? Oh yeah. Talking to yourself, it's the same thing as as having like another physical version of yourself in a room, but there, it's actually just not there. It's just your voice. Well, I get. It, and it's it's apart from being therapeutic, it's amazing for uh, going out of your comfort zone. Because I remember the first few, like they feel so weird to be you're just alone in a room talking you're to talking, a microphone. You don't get any feedback from any, anybody. It's just, no, but the, I think that's computer. what it's important. That's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something to those that I love that. Uh, skipping ahead here, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> figure you as like the quiet thinking type so i imagine you you're probably having a conversation with yourself pretty oftenly right oh definitely definitely do you have uh do you get like difficulties actually commuting your <laughs> communicating your thoughts to other people you yeah. kind of get stuck in a warp when you're trying to get your ideas out but it's so much easier to talk to yourself but put it out there it's a whole another story absolutely holy shit um I speak in half sentences a lot out loud because of mm-hmm. the uh, how fast my my mind will work. Um, I can be really difficult to follow um, for people who don't know me. Like I, I'll be in the middle of saying something to someone I kind of know, or sometimes like even my boss or or a coworker, and in the middle of talking, I'll see like on their face that they have no idea like. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to get across where uh, I wish there was like something I could project out of my phone or maybe I got to get, if I draw on whiteboards more often or something like a more visual <laughs> style of communicating might be easier. Um, sometimes I'm better at communicating by not talking and listening a whole bunch and then maybe ha- saying a comment once in a while. Yeah, that's so I'm, true. I'm the, I'm the same way with it. I definitely. Um, I had a thought, but I lost it. Uh, oh, that, that, was, that was my thought. That was my thought exactly. I'm, I'm a mumbler. Like I start talking to somebody, and then I just kind of dribble off. So if I start doing that, let me know because I do it often. No, that that's uh, the Kevin Yeet podcast. Have it's kind of been the same as like talking to to someone who communicates in a similar way. I've found, and uh, that it's interesting to think about like um, more introverted 
people who have like an intense inner world, it translates really well into their skating style. Cause, yeah. And I don't know if that's because we think about we we think about skating so much, or we. I have no idea what that is, but it, I think it's like a kind of like the water seeks its own level type deal, where you you guys are in the same kind of wavelength, where you, you can understand. Because I, I skated with Kevin before, like a lot, like 10, 12, 15 years ago, or whatever. But it's the same thing. We're like we're skating together. We don't really talk a lot, but you just you just know, you know. Yeah, it, there's something about. Um, Maybe through, and this, I never want to sound super pretentious or anything, but sometimes I, I feel like there's people who can communicate a lot through their skating and, and mm -hmm. you don't even really need to talk sometimes. Um, like, do you do solo sessions ever? Uh, I've just recently, uh, I used to, and then I've recently started doing that. Um, and that was another question. Like, how often do you really skate alone and like, what is, how does that feel? Um like uh ag aggressively or like I, don't, I always get so confused with the terms eventually well, just, there needs to be some standardization but are you talking about yeah. skating in general any kind of skating in general any kind of skating uh at least at least on a good week like three times probably something like that and that's mm. that can be on speed skates or uh i just got those yeah i i, I had like long track speed skates and i would do the prison road uh, by my house, this frontage road, but I just got those uh, Trix skates from Leon, and they're kind of like a hybrid between a speed and rec skate, so I've been using those quite a bit, and then... The ones with, like, the drill on the folds, you have to, like, drill a hole for and stuff. No, they're even different than those ones. The oh. There's, uh, there's like, three setups that I have right now, and uh, there's, like, my REMS, um, which a lot of the times when I skate alone, it's usually at... We have, like, the most amazing um, skate park because we're the tournament capital, but we have yeah. this little old shitty skate park that I go to all the time, and that's like one of my favorite places to go. Um, I just talked to someone last night, actually, when he's like, I can see you like from my house, and you're always there. He's like, you're like there three times, in the and it's I, for some people it's weird uh, to see someone skating alone, but I, I feel like it's the same thing as podcasting. Uh, alone. It's like an important thing to do. You feel really good after it's done, but you feel weird when you first start doing it. Uh, from session to sh session, it's it, it feels weird to put on your skates by yourself and start doing stuff, especially tricks sometimes. Like, oh, yeah. You start asking yourself, like, uh, um, yeah, if there's nobody around watching and uh, and you're doing these tricks, I don't know, you learn a lot about why you do it. Mm -hmm. that there's some interesting reasons so roundabout on your question yeah probably on a good week uh three times but usually two um it has to be at least one lately like if the in the winter time not at all really right right which sucks that's the one thing canada's amazing um for everything except for winter <laughs> and, and i would love to ski but it's so expensive to it's get true. into so true um, yeah I feel like you get a lot more stamina from skating by yourself since you're not, you know, waiting in line or anything like to do a trick. Since it's just you, you can go, go, go. And I find uh, the endurance builds up by skating by yourself. Definitely. It's a... Uh... Yeah. It's a completely different experience. And I think it lends itself to when you skate with other people, uh, you can tap into kind of your your weird focus of skating on your own. 
and oh. holy fuck, I love listening to music and going for like a long skate on s- some fast skates, like uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like speed skates or or rec skates. Although I gotta be careful with using the term rec skates nowadays because. Uh, some of those, like, the, the Seba skates that I've tried, they feel like a lot more quality than rec skates, but so I have no idea if they're called free skates, or I don't know what I would call uh, them. That's the whole labeling It's so thing. confusing. It's, 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 yeah, it just gets... <laughs> and there's a, there's a tennis court. We made, like, that hockey edit in the winter. Dana and I, there's, like, a tennis court right by my house, and... Uh, once in a while, with those like with a, a rocker frame um, and some like 80 millimeter wheels, just like jamming around a, a a hockey like a ball hockey court is super fun too. Just even like 10 minutes here and there. If I there's that feeling every once in a while that I'll be like in a shitty mood or something, and I know if I just put my skates on for five or ten minutes and i like don't even have to do any tricks just jam around and do some turns and stuff skate backwards skating backwards so fun i gotta do that more i keep forgetting like when we're out skating sometimes i'm having so much fun that i forget that i can skate backwards for a really long period of time yeah (laughs) but i'm still really surprising how therapeutical skating skating is it's you know it just kind of relieves so much when you even just rolling down the street it feels you know the feeling you get from it just it, yeah, Especially it's. Deep. I can't get it from anywhere else, and that's probably why I'm still hooked on on the thing. Cause I, I do lots of other activities, but like I feel different if uh, if I haven't skated in in a couple weeks. Like I can feel it. So I don't know what that is. It's gotta be something to do with that. The same thing as solo podcasting, where it's some kind of like autopilot therapeutic thing. Cause I guess. Even in some ways, I don't know, uh, like driving a car for a long period of time by yourself when your mind can just start to drift. It has, it's oh, yeah. got to be related to some kind of meditation thing, which I think, you, you know, you hear people talk about um, meditation or you read about it in books. And it feels like even yoga, even like related to yoga, skating is totally, it's meditation and, and yoga. And it oh, yeah. sounds like... It, well, it's like like you occupy your body so your mind can kind of be free. Yeah, exactly. So it's got to be um, the autopilot where it's like um, your subconscious can – maybe you can tap into it a little bit more. And it's weird how you can uh, work out problems and, and things or just turn it off completely. And then like uh, the flow state that that you can get into even just doing a podcast like you and I right now or a solo podcast – it's that amazing feeling where you feel like a different person after it's done. I I, ho- I wish more people would um would experiment with different kinds of skating because that really changed a lot for me. Is when I had an ankle injury and I just started using speed skates to mm-hmm. get back into it, and it changed everything. And it's like with each uh, kind of skate that you use, it enhances your experience of the other. So, I don't know. That's I, I totally trailed off into a different direction. Oh, that's okay. I'm, that. I'm still I'm still picking up what you're putting down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, I mean, uh, to bring it back to the podcast real quick, uh, what are like the costs? Well, not the podcast, but I guess the whole mushroom blading, uh, whatever you want to call it, the 
encompassing all the the umbrella of the mushroom blading. Like, uh, what are the costs behind it, and what is your drive to keep on producing content? Um, I actually don't know what the costs are because Todd's the the web host. You're talking mm-hmm. about like uploading the podcast, right? Yeah, that too. I guess, um, or I even mean, the like, videos. A lot of hidden stuff. costs between like like traveling and you know filming and things like that. But shit, it's gotten to the point where uh, I don't even keep track of it. Um, let me just think. It's so, just like a thing now. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really. There's been. I, I think if I started thinking about that too much, I'm sure. <laughs> If there was a time where mushroom blading had like a manager and an accountant who like wanted all our receipts from going yeah. out skating, like you went out for dinner after skating, I need that receipt. Um, but um, it the cost is incredibly minimal when I think about it. Like I I took a Greyhound bus for to Vancouver for the day, and mm-hmm. it was fifty something dollars. And then let me think. So that one day of skating, I may have spent you know, around $80. Mm-hmm. That's, no, that's that one idea. <laughs> and then I still buy tapes. So let's just, let me think if oh, I wow. use, if I use, uh, uh, like for mushroom blading too, maybe I use like 14 tapes. So that's $140 gas. I don't do know. You maybe save all your tapes or do you record over? I save tapes? everything. I have, wow. I haven't digitized it all. So like, um, the idea eventually in the long term is to make um uh, like a new video out of all the tapes with unused footage but it's too daunting like i gotta digitize that's everything a, i have because i hear lots of people apparently taped over their tapes and there's probably a lot of historical stuff that i wish people would have just like bought new tapes oh i know i, I was the same way but tapes were so expensive back then i was like uh i thought i always thought it was worth this like, this isn't that important <laughs> Because it worked out to like what? It was it ten dollars a tape or something like that for mini DV. Oh, did I drop you? Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, like I could, no, you're sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I thought I thought you dropped out. Ten dollars? I don't know. It. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe from video to video, anywhere from for videos, it would be anywhere from like five hundred to a thousand dollars. But I'm not sure. Gas is expensive. So there's the cost. I'm not sure about that. And then uh, the second part of the question was the drive to make it, or like why? Yeah, yeah. Why? 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 Um, it's a really weird need. Like, even if I tried really hard to try and push the urge down to make a video and tried to like pretend like, uh, you know, try and have a really normal adult life, it would always come back that some idea. I would hear a song. Or I would have an idea, or I'd be writing some shit down, and then I would, I would have to like text Todd an idea, and then it would just go from there. So it's a weird like, uh, it's a weird like I have to do it, I, and I'm not. There was that one podcast that I did where I realized I'm not done with skating or making videos, and I thought that I would be kind of around. Uh, after 10 mushroom bladings, which we might do away with the numbers completely, but I know it'll be a really specific feeling when I'm done with it, but it's so uh, infinite what you can do with uh, videos and music and combining skating all together. It's way too exciting of a... It's way too exciting of a thing to 
to just not do. I don't know. I think yeah. that's, that's the best way I can answer that. It's like kind of like inspiration is always going to hit you and you, you kind of, once you get it, you kind of want to ride that wave. Yeah, exactly. And it's the most exciting thing still, uh, like out of the selfish things that I do, mm-hmm. it's by far like the most important thing. If, if I didn't have to work a nine to five, I would be doing podcasts and filming for videos and uploading stuff from old tapes and working on skating related projects all the time until I got sick of it. But I don't know, maybe that there's a point of having the nine to five. So the fire burns more, who knows? Oh yeah. Yeah. That brings me to another point. Like what would, what would you do if like mushroom blading was to actually pick up and become the, you know, well, I, legitimate is not the right word, but I probably understand me like, you know, uh, something for the masses and, you know, you started having a budget and, you know, you started having a really solid following, not in terms, but for, you know, real life, like, not real life terms, but. It would probably have to evolve into something different then. I don't know. That's a tough question. I know, (laughs) I I know for Todd and probably the same for me is it probably wouldn't be mushroom blading anymore if it got to that point. So, uh, the only way I could see it becoming that that like that name, if it became big, it would have to be attached to like an actual uh, physical like piece of technology that changed skating or something like that. And even then, I don't think it would be called mushroom blending. So I don't know. I I think the um, like the Joe Rogan podcast is a really good indicator of like it's. That thing, it's technically a brand, his podcast, but... The Joe Rogan Experience? Is that yeah, that's, it's like a brand, and it's huge, and it has millions of listeners, but mm-hmm. um, he's, not, he's like not selling himself, or he's not selling the Joe Rogan Experience, so uh, I don't think I would be comfortable with Mushroom Blading becoming like a, a, like a logo, like a, I, I don't know. Like I don't brand. even know how to think about it. Yeah, yeah, and it... The like the idea of the shirts is really cool because it's just kind of like I have a Duncan Trussell shirt that I wear all the time now because he's like my favorite of all of the like out of all the podcasts his is probably my favorite so there's like it's less about the brand and it more has like a spirit behind it mm-hmm. so um, I don't know I get I don't know <laughs> Todd so would probably be said, better at answering that one than me yeah. but. <laughs> You think so that's well, would the question. would the mushroom blading fizzle away, or would it be like a side project then, or, or do you what think... if it became big? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it would probably still be the main thing, but I, I wonder if something new would. I don't know. It would have to evolve somehow, and I don't know what that would be. Like I think the videos would never have to be big budget, and the podcast would never have to be big budget. So. Uh, and that's the beauty of it too, is that it's like the costs are really low of doing this. And again, surprises me why more people don't have, um, some kind, there are like collectives in skating, right? There's like, there's uh strange creatures and Haitian Meg and like you, these things like are happening where technically like it is like, it could be classified as a brand, but it's like the brands of the future aren't so much brands as they are, uh, like I, I use that word from, I think it's the Seth Godin book, like tribes, like there's, there's like 
I like how, you know, I have a Strange Creature shirt and I have a Duncan Trussell I was shirt. I think more of like a lifestyle, I would say. Yeah, it rep- I, yeah it's like a, it represents <laughs> the shit that you do in your spare time that you really like to do, <laughs> which <laughs> I guess that is lifestyle. Correct. I didn't Fair think enough. about that. <laughs> All right, um... Joey, you go by Joey. Is that is that the uh, why not Joe or Joseph or anything like that? On my birth certificate, it says Joseph, and uh, I've always felt like well, I was called Joey growing up, mm-hmm. um, and it's my dad's name, but he's Joe and I'm Joey, and I think there's some. It just depends. Some people call me Joe. Most people call me Joey. There's some Joseph every once in a while, but yeah, I like Joey. I don't know. It's got I a like good ring to it. It's, I think the E really adds like a kind of lightheartedness to it instead of like a serious like nobody's gonna be like I'm Joey Attorney at Law or anything like that. It's, you know, I'm Joey. I'm a, I'm a fun guy basically. Like, Absolutely. Like, like that. Like, could you imagine if uh, Joey Ramone from the Ramones was Joe Ramone? It's just oh, like no. it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work at all. And it, yeah, it, I'm kind of a big kid, so it fits that way too. And it's fun to say. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, yeah, I mean, and two like, syllables too. One syllable a name. Well, I guess I have one syllable name, but still, <laughs> two <laughs> syllable names is just a you know you got to put more effort into it. It is fun, and I I find it really funny. Like, um, my girlfriend's name is Lacey, and it's like Joey and Lacey, and she has like kind of a similar sounding name that's pretty fun to say. Uh, that's important. Like, Joey, Joey. What have you seen? History of Violence. I've not. Oh, okay. Okay. There's there's just this part in that movie. I hadn't seen it before, but everyone talked about this part where there's like a guy sitting at a bar haunting this one dude and he keeps saying, Joey, Joey. <laughs> and I think I said that somewhere in some video. I, I got oh, to say uh, The Simpsons, Joey, Joe, 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 yep. Shabadoo. That, I, I heard that one a bunch, but I, I still had never seen the episode. But I, I Googled him and it's like... Uh, He's like a dude with a cowboy hat or something. I don't know. I can't oh, yeah. remember what the character looks like. I remember the episode. I'm Joey Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so as a as a performer, uh, as I say, like as you know, you're you're on podcasts and in and videos, and also just uh, you know, like your online persona that you take. Because you know, we're not the same person as being online and in person. Like, how do you feel that? compares to the real Joey? Um, I'm probably uh, quieter, a little bit more quieter and, and reserved, but uh, probably still laughing a decent amount. Um, yeah, quieter. And more like at my workplace persona, I've always found I'm pretty quiet and I keep to myself and uh, I don't like I don't like talking too much, but I will open up if it's like an interesting topic. And I mm-hmm. feel like um, there's some people who don't really know me. I'm not I'm not quick to tell anybody like what I do or what I'm into unless you know, I get into like, a deep Here, this is me. I'm Joey. I'm doing this yeah. and this. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, I don't know. There's something to do with skating where I, I I've said recently like. Skating can allow you to be probably the closest version of of yourself that oh god and it's gonna sound pretentious like 
like how I said, in, in Cirque du Soleil, Mason had a section where he was in a ninja suit and he was rollerblading. And like, you, you can't you can't go to work in a ninja suit wearing rollerblades. Like, you don't have that option, but in skating you do so. Uh, people can be themselves, closer could, to themselves more. Was that? You probably could, but it's not probably not in your best interest to do so. Exactly, and maybe we need to live in a world where that should be more of an option. I feel like we're moving closer to that. You see in advertisements all the time where it's like, just be you. There's only one of you. Be yourself. Oh, anyways. Uh, that actually I, brings me to another one of my notes. Like, like a couple of jobs I worked, I would have done, you know, I would increase efficiency by, you know, at least 50% or so if I had my skates on. That's yeah, so true. But do you think there are any other, like, like jobs or just normal everyday things that would actually be improved by having someone who's proficient enough in skates to, uh, to improve that? No, not just, not just jobs. I think Leon's, uh, Leon's kind of theory if everybody like everybody had skates on so mm. even the idea of like uh, like a downtown core of a city if everyone had skates on and it was designed for skates we'd be able to get places so much faster because I don't know if you listened to that when, when I was saying like you know in an airport there's like that it's it's an escalator but it's flat I don't know what yeah, that thing's yeah. called that's pretty much like the shittiest form of rollerblades. Like it's doing oh, yeah. exactly what rollerblades do. Yeah, I, I just think that uh, rollerblades are still so new and super alien to, to human beings that uh, kudos to the people if they do go to work and wear their skates. Like I try and find excuses all the time to film stuff on my skates. Mm-hmm. So that's, but yeah, like what? So which job was it like a delivery or what? What was it? Oh no, it? just back factory stuff. Like, like where you just going go... back and forth, back and forth, like carrying something to this part. And, Did know. you ever bring it up? Because it makes a lot of sense. I you know I never I, I when I'm at work I'm just I don't talk unless I absolutely have to. So yeah. it's one of those things where I don't even care to bring it up. But I, I never even thought about that. But you do have a point that yeah I could be brought up. But I think that people would just get an idea that where they'd be like uh what yeah what and it's like it's instantly like a kooky thing right that you would would, do you think you would instantly be a weirdo to people well i think a lot of it would be like liability of it all since it's something that nobody does that you know it's like oh this guy gets hurt rolling around we're gonna be fucked so it's true we're not even we're not even gonna give it the time of day basically uh, yeah, work safe and all that stuff. Yeah. Factory and like uh, fetching like product in a big warehouse. Mm-hmm. Perfect yeah, for that. Perfect. Uh, for this that. is another one of those things too, where it's like very therapeutical, where you you know you're autopilot and you just do it, and so your mind just goes wherever it wants to be. Yeah, it would feel a little bit more fun too. They had um like in grocery stores. I don't know if this was just a Canada thing. Uh, we had in superstore there was like price checkers that had skates mm-hmm. on. Did you guys have that in the States no, anywhere? No, definitely not. So, the only thing we have is Sonic, and you know they don't even use skates anymore, rarely. Oh, they don't? That, every now and then you'll see one person on skates, but... Sonic every, used to be like everybody was on skates, or...? Well, like, you know, like the typical... You know, Roller skate drive, delivery. But park yeah. car, and, you know, people come to your car and... Give you food type of yeah, thing. I sampled um, 
I sampled something on YouTube where it was a guy at a Sonic and he was making fun of one of the waiters because he just did a circle or something on his on his skates. And yeah. uh, that's how I found out about people had skates on at Sonic. I just thought that was so funny. It was like, doing a circle in skates is awesome, but I guess it's just not, it's not manly enough sometimes to people. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, the price checker thing. I remember I really wanted that for my first job. The only problem with the price checker rollerblader in the grocery store is you had to wear full pads, and it just oh, wow. it looked it looked really bad. It, it, seemed out, it seemed very much out of place, I would think. Yeah, and you had to wear like the like Superstore had its own brand of clothing called like uh, I think it was called Joe. I think I think it's oh. called Joe. And uh, so you had to wear like really weird, like kind of bad fitting jeans and like a weird shirt or something. And uh, I knew some people in Vancouver, I think, that did it for a while. And uh, and I don't is know if they like this or is it gone now? I haven't seen the rollerblade price check person. That would be a really interesting thing to investigate, though. I might I might have to do that. Um, after the podcast is done. And I remember uh, our friend Jordan, who who was like one of the first people we grew up with skating here, uh, he did it for a long time. I remember he was so tired of being on his skates by the end of the day because he was in them for eight hours that he didn't want to uh-huh. skate anymore. So there's something to be said about like, he probably had uncomfortable skates. So I don't know if you would like, you would all of a sudden take your skates for granted if you were in them for too long. I don't know. That's another issue to to ponder. Do you still get blisters when you skate? Um, immune to that now. I get there's like there's this one spot, um, kind of like in my ankle area that is questionable when I'm like breaking in new skates that always gets like super raw and starts to bleed. But no, not too much at all. From skating sockless, there's this part on like oh, wow. the bridge kind of of my foot that like the skin rubs a little bit but no nothing too bad at all how about you oh yeah i still definitely get it um, really sock you don't skate with socks on no at all I, no uh when did this when did you start doing that uh i can't i swear the first time i heard about it was uh i read and it was like in a daily bread or something and it was like a picture of someone from philadelphia like Jimmy Shooter or someone like that. They were in K2s without socks. And I, I thought it looked amazing. And then I found out um, at some point Bobby Orr, like famous hockey player, tried it. He, I think he was a defenseman like when I played hockey. And uh, I was always a huge fan of the thinnest possible the thinnest and shortest, like in the ankle area, socks I could get, and then I, and then it just all that came together, and I figured I would try sockless, um, and it felt so good. And then there's a Bobby R quote where he's like, "I tried it once, and I liked the way it felt, and I couldn't go back to socks." So that's kind of how it happened. And I probably started doing it a couple years ago, and and it's it's uh. It's upsetting to think about how gross my skates get now, but uh, that was the major disadvantage that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> it, it, like even shoes, I socks are just oh, and I I could be like cornering myself into more hippie territory, but 
which I'm not, but they have it figured out, like, they, they, they don't like socks, and their feet are, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, they love bare feet, and they love flip-flops, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not just, like, hippie-type people, but super relaxed people, yeah. uh, they don't, they don't like wearing socks. When I was in Laos, it was, like, there were so many people in, like, I, I barely saw any socks, like, and lots of people had their flip-flops kicked off, and I don't know, there's something about just the, um, the psychology of not having fabric around your feet, mm-hmm. I don't know, it feels good, the, the foot, like, sticks to the skate better, and I'm sure some people would think that it would just feel so gross, and it does, it gets disgusting, like, I haven't had any athlete's foot or anything yet, because I try and, like, uh, try and keep them super clean after i'm done skating mm-hmm. but uh yeah i recommend uh to anyone who wants to try it to try it but i don't <laughs> i don't think many people would just because it the the current liners that i have specifically uh the intuition liners that mm-hmm. that uh leon started skating and and recommending they're amazing but they're the ones I've talked about it before, but like they're built for water skiing. So they like, it, it almost feels like they're cooking your feet and keeping the moisture inside the liner. Oh, right, right. Um, the liners are amazing except for that. And so these are by get, like, far. like a pool of water in there when you like, when you they just, yeah, they get like, they'll make weird, like squeaking sounds. I, if you skated in socks, this wouldn't happen, but sockless they're by far, they're just like a, a farm of bacteria. Like Todd would say, like the bacteria is just having a fiesta and a party and they're just making new bacteria. Um, but again, no foot infections or anything yet. That's good. I can imagine that you get a pretty good, I guess, like imprint from skating sockless. Like, you know, like the toe, the toes would probably have like a pretty set, Definitely. If you skated, if you skated the liners for a while. Definitely. It'd be and, very, uh, very much custom, you know, custom fit then after that. Yeah. And especially with that intuition liner, it's like the foam, how it's, when Leon explained it to me, how it's 80% density. So when you push down on it, it it'll stay in place. So especially, yeah, in the toe area of this new liner, because I don't have footbeds, mm-hmm. it just feels like a, like a second skin around your foot. And I'm a big fan of uh, when I skate my REMS or anytime I get a new pair of like aggressive skates. I still like, I feel weird using that word, but uh, I'm a big fan of like getting really high quality footbeds that that mold with really dense foam as well. So yeah, sockless and like a really nice footbed and sockless and REMS too. There's something about that. Like what, what are you skating right now? Uh, Salmon SD9s. Oh shit. There's a lot of people, <laughs> we've talked about this before too, but it's funny that like a lot of people still love to skate old skates over the new skates because they're simply better. Like, do you like them? Oh, I love them. Well, like I got them for five bucks off eBay and they weren't even grinded in. Like I bought them just for the liners, but like the skates were so nice and I had an extra set of wide bodies. So I just threw those on and they're better than anything i could think i could buy right now and really i I stopped skating from like 2002 to 2008 or so so i'm still very much stuck on the old ways yeah so but do you uh and i like how like they have support but they have so much flex at the same time yeah that the uh i would love to skate um 
just to try a pair of those again. I really like the ones, the STI, with like a little bit of the, the soft, soft boot. Ones? Yeah. Um, do you find it's weird with that? The, does the cuff feel a little bit high? Like no, that, not at you... all. Like, like coming from Rams, like they've got more flex than the Rams do. And I could, I could actually buckle them up pretty tight compared to what I was skating the Rams, which is barely buckled at all, or not even buckled basically. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's great because I have support, but I could still do bendy stuff at the same time. Yeah, do you miss the toe point? Like you know, in Rems, how you can you can point your toe a little bit more. Do you have a little bit of like a toe point? If that makes any sense, like uh, not forward flex, but the opposite. I, I'm not picking up on you. Shit. Okay. Like, uh, like, do you miss the V cut? Oh no, not at all. Like, oh, you don't. I don't. That was another question. Like, what does the V cut do? I don't understand. Like the toe point. For, for me, all it does is give me an uglier Mizu. Is all it really does. I don't. I don't understand <laughs> what a V cut does. That's a really good point. I just don't even do. Uh, my sweat stances are good, but yeah, my Mizu's, uh, <laughs> you have a point there. The V-cut, it's all about the toe point. It's uh, it's like if you're staring at your foot and it's not in a skate and you can rotate it like 360 degrees, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how, uh, this will be a weird comparison, but you know how like in uh, like in ballet when they when they stand right up on their toes and they're their foot almost looks perpendicular to their leg. Like it doesn't even look like a foot anymore. Oh, okay. That's I, the toe point. I, That's I'm like. I'm trying to get, get that, but <laughs> I think, I think for me, cause I skated Rem's anti and I, I'm skating Solomon's flat. Yeah. I don't know if that makes a difference or not, but, but for me, like, I feel like I've got more, mo- you know, mobility with my feet as far as like being able to like be on your toes. I don't know. Shit, I'd have to try them again then, cause uh, and I, I mean the I got this. It's uh, they're not UFS, so you know it's just stock everything. That's a and, good thing. Uh, Solomon frames are so low to the ground that you know it's you really get that pivoting. Yeah, you're right. I, there is something to be said about like there's not as much material as well uh, compared <coughs> to rims. Was that burning? Oh no, oh, there's a bug on there. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, there's. Like the older rims, the the V cut worked better. Like in the in the non UFS rims. Well, I have the original. Well, I don't know if they're the original, but the the red and black ones. Yeah, yeah. I still have those. I use them from time to time, and uh, I, I like them better than the newer ones. The V cut works better in those. Like you can feel it more in those. But at the same time, you can have a really like good low cut cuff and it still can have like a little bit of a v-cut feel um, like i said just the only thing i really get from is uglier mazes <laughs> stretch that bad boy out i just, just avoid pose from that actually because so. are you like uh when when uh, i was talking with kevin you about uh like do you mizu with your feet close together like did uh fuck what do i do i mean i wouldn't let me try to like do it with my feet right now i'm trying to think uh, it's kind of a medium. It's not too like stretched out. It's not like a UFO music. That's or good. Like That's that. a good music then, because I it's, my it's trick. I'll, I'll do all you, but I don't really like doing forward. <laughs> but anyways, this is this is coming oh. on me too much. Let's go. Okay. Let's get okay. back to the, to okay. the daily podcast. Okay. Um. 
uh, Kamloops. You are. Did you grow up in Kamloops? Is that has that been your yeah home? yeah born and raised. Ever, I only went, have, have you ever lived anywhere else? I lived in Vancouver for I think almost three years. So that's uh, mushroom blading one and a couple of the edits before that and then mushroom blading three and four were mostly like filmed in my time living in vancouver and then i vancouver is like four hours away from yeah west west yeah. of uh, kamloops i looked it up and um, I I, before that yeah. i had no idea where kamloops was yeah it's uh it usually takes yeah about four hours if you drive like me maybe five something like that um yeah it's like a Kamloops mm, yeah born and raised here I'm trying to explain like it's like a mountain town uh but it's desert it's an amazing mix of stuff there's like a confluence of two uh rivers that's what Kamloops mm-hmm. means meeting of the waters in the I don't know the Shakwepnik uh tribe of native people i think okay. that's the language and uh, it's a magical place so that's why i came back here it's like a desert and mount it's like kind of like a springfield if you bring back to the simpsons <laughs> it's got it it has a springfield for sure is it a is it a big town or is it's, it kind of... i should know the population here let me look it up right now unless you looked it up uh, um, i didn't i didn't do the wiki on it now because i don't know i'm really are, are you good with numbers no, not at all. Like off the top of the head, like comparison to like Vancouver, how how would you say it rates? Um, okay, it's so over eighty five thousand people. So it's it's not a small town and it's not a big city. It's uh, but it's really big. Like in terms of the how far spread out um, the houses in certain and districts or areas or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's really big. But it's not busy, so it's it's spread out as big as far as mass goes, but as far as quantity yeah. of the containing mass is not so big. Okay, yeah, I, I think so, someone said that it's bigger than New York in terms of like the air the area, of, mm. but I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, Kamloops. That's Kamloops. And uh, the pop pop contest is. Soon or no? Um, it's it... August. Oh shit! I oh, should okay. know this. August. Oh fuck. Um, I'll have to look that up. It's August something. If you look up pop contest on Facebook, and it's in Vancouver, because like I think as some people know, uh, Todd passed it along to, I think Matt venue for one year and then now travis nabe who's been on the podcast before is the organizer of it so that's coming up because it was in uh like it was in Kamloops for seven or eight years and so Mm. i think a lot of people have seen that park either in not a lot of people but (laughs) whoever whoever has watched edits or videos that the Kamloops park yeah because we're the we're the oh i forgot to say Kamloops is the tournament capital of Canada, which means we host uh, a lot of sports events and things, and so that's why we got spoiled with probably one of the best skate parks. Best skate park in the world. <laughs> I do love that. Uh, it pretty much <laughs> is. I mean, uh, Penticton's is pretty good too. That that town's like three or four hours away from here. It was like the way they designed that park was 
specifically to like hold competitions. So it the the thing that'll like make people want to skate it when I say this is it feels like a concrete. Not that I ever skated an ASA course, but mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of set up that way. It's set up as like a really nice street course, but made out of concrete. So, and then uh, there were like rollerbladers had some input on some of the stuff. Um, and it was also designed after there was a really famous skateboard competition called Slam City Jam in mm. Vancouver. And uh, a lot of the stuff was kind of like designed after that course. So, yeah, they wanted to make it tournament style. But anyways, it's the uh, it's a pop contest, kind of like the big hurrah that like everybody looks forward to the year, and like people who don't come out and come to that is that what it is for you guys? Um, it's changed over the years. For I think it's a lot of different things now. Um, it it used to be that for me, and now I always look at that as like I missed it one year, and I went the other year. It's more of like a hangout, like a get like a like get together play beer league hockey <laughs> kind of yeah. that's that's what it feels like for me uh like like it feels like an old timer skate session not that i'm an old timer but uh like a really relaxed day i never compete or anything but um i missed the last one though and it seems like it's uh it has a new vibe to it mm. um, right, but uh, yeah you want to take a break? I gotta, I gotta pee real bad. I'm oh yeah, yeah, we're at the fifty. Take a break, and okay. we're almost at the hour mark. So let's, okay, uh, yeah. take a quick break. I'll call you back. All right. Hello. All right. How how long were you holding that pee for? Oh, uh, probably the last ten minutes or so. Oh shit. Yeah, my my leg was shaking. Oh but, uh, shit. You know, you get you get in the zone though. It's like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to break this chain. So Flow state, you hold pee, definitely, definitely yeah. hold pee. And worse, uh, than when, worse than when you're skating and trying to do a trick and that comes up, you pee or poop. Oh my god, I did that yesterday. I was just like, oh, I gotta, gotta poop. That's you can't peeing and pooping. You gotta, and you gotta was, get uh, that stuff I, done. I, I did enjoy your article about prepping and prepping the skate. <laughs> I, I know that was a big point. And it, it, it literally bit me in the ass. But, uh, <laughs> That, yeah, the number one, taking a poop, that can be the biggest detractor of a skate day. It it just, it inhibits your thinking. Peeing oh, and that. pooping, but peeing you can get away with it, kind of forgetting. It's easier, yeah, it's easier to relieve yourself of that. Than, yeah, and you can usually find poop. a spot to do it pretty easily. But, if not, you make one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I have to be more careful in this town now when I pee in public, um, just in case I see like uh, someone who I've worked with or a client or something like that. But at the same time, I shouldn't, you know, I don't really censor myself that much. So, because as soon as you let that voice tell you not to pee in public, then it's winning. You don't want that voice to win. Anyways. All right. uh, Take it into the nerd zone a little bit here. Uh, What you you got in your camera bag, man? (laughs) Uh, I still use... um, I was telling Taylor in a message the other day. I still use the same camera uh, from six or seven years ago. So it was it was new when we filmed the first mushroom blading. It's a Canon XH A1, okay. uh, and uh, how you're gonna say that? It's like it was the beefy older brother of the GL1, like uh, or the GL2 or whatever. And yeah. so it's HDV, so you still use DV tapes, but it's yep. HD quality. And uh, 
it's a Canon camera, so it's the optics are still amazing. And okay. um, the Century Optics 0.3 fisheye, you know, like the staple that's that's been around for a long time. Um, a Rode stereo mic with a little fuzzy thing on it that um, is broken, so I have to ghetto tape it before every nice. session because it's been... It was like in the middle of filming the second mushroom blading, I think... Oh, no, no, no. No, in the middle of filming... The third mushroom blading, the shit got kicked. The mic got kicked like right off, and mm-hmm. then um, and then I got a shotgun mic, but I didn't like the sound of it. So then I got this stereo mic, and I've been loving the audio. But then that got kicked too, so it needs to get taped. And the lens has been kicked so many times, and it hasn't like no breaks or anything. It's like the metal's bent. Um, and then a few is it scratched up at all? Oh yeah, I think at this point, even when I try and like get it as clean as possible, uh, you shine it into the sun, it doesn't look clean anymore. But um, I don't mind really for for skate video. Like as as long as the without the fisheye, if it oh. if the lens is still good. Um, so that's been the setup. Like I think for the past six or seven years, it feels like. Oh. But I did just order all. Uh, I'm finally committing to new camera stuff. So, oh wow! Yeah, and uh, I'm excited to integrate that. I think for the next bit of skating stuff, I'm still going to use the XHA1 just because it's it's such a it's such a nice camera still in my mind. I still really like using tapes, and I like the fisheye on it. Well, using an actual video camera too is very solid for skating. Definitely, I think. And then, and then you got it's got a crazy zoom on it or something because you got some. <laughs> Super massive zoom shots. I'm like, geez, that, I can't even. I got a broadcast lens, and I can't even do that with my zoom on it. The zoom is really good. I can't like again. I don't know the numbers. Like when people ask me about like uh, millimeters and yeah. f stops and things like that, I have no idea. Like, I I don't even. Um, when they tried to like teach me to to hold a pencil properly in elementary school, right? I didn't do it properly and i kind of came up with my own way so when i think of like how i use my tools i have i don't really know many technical terms so i i wish i knew like what that zoom reaches to but i don't yeah there's a because there's a button on that camera um where you program the zoom and the speed and then you can just hit a button and you don't have to worry about fucking up your zoom and it was uh uh randy ewan who told me about that feature and then I was able to get, there's that zoom shot that I really like of it's like Dallas and Dana on a mountain or something. And it seems like it zooms out forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That that, that was the shot that came to mind. I was like, that, uh, wait a second, you guys were on a mountain and now you're like, now I can see the entire mountain. What the fuck? And then I think I, I cut to like, I cut to like an ant or something for the next shot. Mm-hmm. And it's a super mind fucker. I remember when I edited that, I was really excited about those two things going together. I totally thank you for reminding me. I I've been wanting to get another shot like that with the long zoom, but it's so hard to like think of how you want to use it for skating right. stuff. It's really hard specifically because you need something almost like static that's really far away, but then the shot needs to be interesting when it zooms out the whole way too. So I I think the with the new camera I got a 70 to 200 lens, which it's not that long at all, and then there's like 
there's those super telephotos that you see like mm-hmm. nature photographers with that I don't oh, even yeah. know they're like two thousand dollars or something ridiculous like that so i don't know two thousand millimeter probably but um well what else you got is that or that i think that's i'm trying to think um just some extra batteries i always have at least three batteries with me um because you should never have to worry about battery for skating the the actual bag that i use uh i finally replaced that but um it's the same bag that i've had since i think 2000 Uh And it's been like, it's traveled to different countries and been left places. And it just, it's kind of a good luck bag. Um, And then like, you know, lens cleaner. uh, There's probably some really random shit in there. There's always like crumpled up cliff bar wrappers, change, wax, uh, Allen keys. But in terms of like a a camera setup that works really well. Yeah, it's the XHA1 and the Rode stereo mic. Some tape, obviously, to tape it, and then the fisheye. Oh, I have a diopter, too, but I don't use it very much. We used it, like, once um, for, like, super close-up, like, almost macro-type shots, but I, mm-hmm. I found there's, like, one shot of a toenail that we, like, used. Oh, for. I hate that shot so much. <laughs> I know exactly which one you're talking about. I see that, like, oh, I got close my eyes. I got to close it over yet. Uh, all right. It was the perfect opportunity. Yeah. If it, right. I thought about like, like to give it right now. <laughs> I got it for like, um, I really like um, close-up shots of uh, like wheels worn down or like grinded out plastic or scuffs mm-hmm. on skates. So I, I kind of got it for that, and then I didn't end up using it very much. I really like there was a old back cover of a one magazine of like a a really worn out backslide plate mm-hmm. and I I really like that so I wanted to get more stuff you like gotta, that. Gotta, the Raynox make a really good macro like adapter you put on. I use that a lot. Or not a lot, really? but I like to use that and you can get you can get like super close up and super detail on like little minutest of things. That's and I like, want to do like more of it. 70 bucks maybe? Really? Yeah. Shit. And it's like it's a it's like a clip on, so like it can fit on like a multitude of different lenses. Oh shit! I wonder um of the lenses that I got for the new camera, I'm hoping one has like kind of macro-ish capabilities from a certain distance. Cause so are you going DSLR now or? No, well, I'm, it's kind of like a hybrid. It's um it's on back order. It's so frustrating. I'm just waiting for it to come to start filming some stuff with it. But it's uh it's the C100, so it's like a mix kind oh, of nice. of like a it's kind of a mix of a video camera body and a DSLR body. Um, so you're sticking with the, can- the Canon, right? Yeah. Canon's yeah. has been too good for me. Um, I've had a Sony, I think, once a long time ago. But um, I don't know. It's just Sony's never clicked with me. I've been really... This camera specifically, this XHA1, like, I don't treat my equipment very well. Like, I... Uh, I I'm the same way. I... Uh, like the fo- like the there was this Fiona Apples on this podcast and she, uh, Mark Marins I think she was talking about how she always has to like f- get people to fix the faucets like the sink in her house because she cranks it all the time and I was like thinking that I do that shit all the time like with my equipment I'm really hard on like the buttons like I press super hard and twist things super hard so. Apart from the mic being kicked on this camera, like the Canon build quality is so good. Although the the GL1 and the GL2 were kind of questionable. 
Yeah, I had, I had to get mine repaired a couple of times. Yeah, the, uh, the lots of people did. Yeah, yeah. My, I think um, my CCDs had to be adjusted, and it was like 500 bucks, and the camera was gone for six months or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that was because I shot – I like – I love Staring shooting the sun. Yeah, <laughs> that was like I know that. I feel. still do that shit all the time, and then that's just I love that because in um in seventies movies, like a lot of seventies movies that I really like, there's a lot of like shooting into the sun. So, gotta do it. Yeah. You got it. You gotta record the sun. <laughs> it's, it's just there. Why not? You know. It looks amazing when it pokes through. Oh, it does. Beams coming out. <laughs> Um, let's talk, uh, computer and software to keep it, keep it nerdy. Okay, you, definitely. Mm. So on my home, like just, uh, for editing? Um, yeah, I guess let's just talk, let's just talk personal here. Um, for at home, I've been on just regular old Final Cut Studio for the longest time. And I just started using, uh, Final Cut X at work. And I'm completely in love with it. It's super fast, super easy to use. I thought it was like cheesy at first, and then the depth of the program is pretty amazing. Um, I've only edited, I did that CJ edit for Leon, and uh, that was the first skate thing I edited with it, and it was super fun and fast. But yeah, at home, it's Final Cut 7, I think. And then um, I use Compressor once in a while. Um, and then what I, I use, I'm trying to think of what other stuff. It's a pretty simple setup. Like I have After Effects, but I don't really use it for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use the color program. I barely use DVD Studio Pro. I just use Final Cut mostly. Uh, pretty and, basic. Nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, I want to start using Final Cut X at home, but my machine is, uh, it's like an old Mac Pro that Yeah. I got like my computer and my camera at the same time and six or Six or seven years is quite a while to like. Oh yeah. To use the same camera and computer, so I have a newer computer at work, and then finally with this newer camera, I'm hoping to. I think I just get into the habit of bringing the home or my work computer home for the weekend. Yeah. So I might start doing that because I think this this computer is way too slow to run Final Cut X. Yeah, well, so. mine's a 2010, and it it can't even run X. It just everything locks up when I try to run it. Oh, have you used Have you like used X on like a newer Mac computer? Uh, uh only in the Apple Store. Oh, it's amazing! It's so fast. It's just like uh, I'm starting to think that um, like before I thought that that you could just do quantity in video and and not do as much quality but I, that program's designed to make like a lot of good content quickly and to be able to upload it as quickly as possible the fact that you can go straight to YouTube and Vimeo mm-hmm. within the program means that like your turnover for you could make like five edits in a day like that is pretty awesome um and that's cool that's the way video should be and i I mean the way things are going with video like how i don't know the details but that vine app was really popular with people Mm -hmm. for phones and then now instagram introduced video so it's cool to know that uh when someone picks up video editing then they start using final cut x they won't even think about that it that you used to have to like wait for rendering and stuff like that because I barely have to wait for rendering at work. And at home, 
I stare at blue bars all the time. So. Yeah, there's a certain charm in rendering, though. I, I think. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, all, you know, it's cool. It's like, all right, computer's doing something. I can go play video games. Or that's know, true, stuff. actually. That's and true. Especially if you're working too. It's like rendering break time. Oh, love that shit. That's uh, where I'm kind of jealous of my coworker's computer because he still gets to like do some random stuff where I almost have to like pretend <laughs> that because it's background rendering now that that uh. Right. The rendering doesn't even exist unless it's really, really, really heavy. So like, but even what you can like be exporting a project while working on something else. So it's like it's overly efficient. You're right. We need excuses to take breaks. I don't know if I could handle that. Like I like the breaks. <laughs> then uh, yeah, then stay with it. Cause and you know Final Cut the is that what you're on Final Cut? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's still a really good program, but like I started. When I went to edit some shit this last weekend, I was like doing habits from Final Cut X in in the old Final Cut. Like I was trying to drop things and waiting for them to move out of the way, like that magnetic timeline stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's weird at first, and then once you get used to it, it's like it's super fast. Yeah. So that's all the software hardware, and obviously lots of hard drives all the time. Oh, and that's the other thing, Final Cut X. You can't work off of. Uh, external hard drives and and the old final cut you can oh that is a downside yeah it's uh well, you work on a laptop so I, I need to use a um i think you can but it's super slow like the project you would have to like um export like low res versions of the files and then work off of your oh. your computer something like that i don't know yeah, yeah. maybe that's my problem interesting um <laughs> Moving on. And people are probably like, what the fuck are you doing? No, it's good. Nerd talk's important. But anyways, uh, well, I, I guess you're getting a new camera, but I mean, do you feel limited by the equipment at your disposal? And uh, like, what do you think would actually would bring enhancement to what you're doing? Um, the Honestly, the setup right now is still really good. Like, um, I feel like I could make a bunch more videos over the next as long as the camera didn't die i could probably keep the setup for 10 years and still be really happy with it like I'd, a really good zoom lens and a fisheye and decent audio and like uh tapes like for backup that's it's mm -hmm. pretty solid and i love the images that i can get from it so this is pretty solid but um i do want to start experimenting more with like uh, more of a cinematic style um, mm. and more low light, especially I found oh, is a little bit limiting on this camera. Um, that's what gets me excited about the new cameras that you can shoot in super low light and get like create creativity wise. I, I can't really shoot at night with this current camera. So I'm really excited like in cam loops when the sun has gone down, but the sky is still kind of like a, purpley blue and the city lights are on you know mm -hmm. that the possibilities that way and i'm not oh, yeah. like um, a giant sensor and uh you know you can get some primes and stuff to really definitely burn, you know? and then i've always really want like i've wanted to make a really cinematic skate video mm -hmm. and we kind of did with mushroom blading too but not really like so i feel like uh there's still a possibility of doing that like i you know i want to move towards more movie looking type things but at the same time 
not overly trying hard to make a movie, just kind of like yeah. a mix of skate. Because uh, you just still can't beat of... the rawness of a skate video. I don't know. There's, oh, yeah. something, there's something that's still amazing about the skate video format, like a like an old Pat Lennon video or something like that. It doesn't matter what it was filmed on. It's always going to be good to me. Oh, yeah. You know, it's more uh, about you, moments. How did you get started um, filming and editing? Um, my dad is a, is a Mac guy, and he oh. was kind of like a Mac guy. Um, like in Kamloops, I think it was even weird to be a Mac guy. He started with, without it being too long, like he played video games he had like all the first video game systems and then through that, I don't know if that's how he got into Mac. Like he was a tech guy, but not a nerdy tech guy. Um, he was more like a cutting edge kind of guy. Yeah. He was always interested in like the new stuff. And I, I find like I inherited that in terms of I've bought some really shitty skates and products before. Cause I get excited about like <laughs> the new, he loves new stuff. Like, mm-hmm new interesting thing so it was That's exciting it is it is really exciting so it was through uh i don't know how he if he explained it to me or um that was the biggest one but before that i'm trying to think um i think my my mom had a video camera because she was a sign language teacher and um Oh, that's another thing. Like if my dad always had tech stuff, like there was always video cameras kind of like around the house. So it was kind of, I I was obsessed with filming things before I discovered skating. And then it was something about um, when I saw my first skate video, there was something where like everything clicked together so um i did fuck around with like uh part of my friends like I, I messed around with um vcr to vcr editing oh yeah yeah, yeah. um and then i'm trying to think like for school it was like a drama project that i did where I, that was probably like the first thing that i edited it was like trying to copy the um spike jones beastie boys sabotage kind of style not exactly the same and it was, if I could, I don't know if I'm even answering the question. Am I answering the question? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It was as soon as, like, someone showed me that you could put music and film images, like, film whatever images you wanted and put sound over top of it that you pick, that's when I was, like, I got bit by the bug hard. Oh, yeah. And then it was as soon as my dad showed me that there was, like, with a Mac, you could do it digitally. That's when it got really interesting. So exploded. when I was, I'm 31 now. I haven't even been doing it for that long. When you think about it, probably I haven't even been doing it for 20 years. So hmm. I don't consider myself like I know a lot about filming and editing yet. I think when I say I've done it for like 30 or 40 or 50 years, probably, but so I probably when I was 13 or 14, I started maybe earlier than that. I don't know. Um, do, like, do you feel like there's a certain amount of power that you get from making videos? Because you're the you're the person in control of what someone is watching. So you can you know you're you're the person once you grab once you actually get someone's attention, 
Um, you you are the mass the maestro of whatever that person views from henceforth on. I'm a big fan of Jason Silva. Have you seen any of his stuff before? Uh, I don't know if I'm familiar with him or not. He's like a he's a futurist and a philosopher, um, and he talks about how like the new currency is attention, and he always talks about how we're all we all have like power of gods pretty much that we have recording studios and video recording and sound recording devices in the palm of our hand. So I absolutely think that uh, if you can hold someone's attention with something that you make and uh, yeah, yeah, you're like, a, we always joked about that, like people who create movies and TV shows and stuff, they're like, they play God for a little while. Oh yeah. Cause it's crazy. You can take, you can take ideas and try and translate them in a super powerful way. I think that's where uh, he talked about theaters as well. That the experience of watching something like in a, on a big screen in the dark, in a comfortable seat with like your cell phone off, mm -hmm. that's still the shit. But um, yeah. Did that answer the question? I think, I just yeah, agree yeah. with the I idea so. of like, yeah, you're completely in control of, but, but at the same time, I'm a big fan of, uh, not trying too hard to force any specific emotions onto mm -hmm. people when they watch something. I like when, when, uh, you watch something and you're not, you don't know exactly how you're supposed to feel right. and, and you want to watch something again because you uh, had a bunch of different weird feelings when you watched it. I think that's important too. So, what uh, what a percentage do you think the videos are for you as opposed to an audience? Percentage of the videos? Yeah, yeah, the videos you make that is made something there where you want to watch it, but also you're kind of catering towards an audience. Oh, um, shit! I don't think. Maybe the mm, the last little like the short edit that we made, and maybe mushroom blading five, the like stag trip. Though those were more like meant oh. to be entertaining, but I don't think not since uh, the really older videos like better than baseball and stuff. Those were designed to be super entertaining and With for a mass appeal in mind. Yeah, for lots of people to watch, like for. Uh, you could put those on and your friends could be entertained. And then the, a lot of the newer stuff is we tried to go kind of like in the ab opposite direction. But I guess I guess the Mushroom Blading 2 uh, possibly... But that one teetered kind of between both. where Because uh, I do think there's a fine line between art and entertainment mm -hmm. for making movies and videos. And there's some that can kind of be both. Um, and it's weird because I do like being entertained, but the most powerful experiences I have is when I'm challenged and I, I might not like something at first. Mm -hmm. And then, then I watch it a few more times or I thought I hated it, but I can't stop thinking about it. That shit's the best. It's like you think you hate this song or this video, but then right. you're kind of obsessing over it. And then... It's like months or years later, and you admit to yourself, like, God damn it, I actually liked it all along. <laughs> Got a revelation. <laughs> but it's probably only there because you went through it, though, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, 
I hope that there's more, uh, I hope that people are more open to experiencing not necessarily avant-garde movies, but, um, like when you sit down and watch like a three hour art film, like a, like a Tarkovsky, like a, there's this Russian director, there's this movie called Stalker that it would, it's, you need to sit down and watch it with the volume turned up and probably by yourself, not, not with anyone else where you're, where you're not worrying about if the other person's being entertained or if they're bored or not like that, having powerful uh, viewing experiences by yourself. I think movies and videos can be so great that way. I don't know. It kind of relates to that, the podcast idea of like, uh, um, solo forms of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Experiencing things on your own is really important. Anyways. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting, a dynamic that when you watch something alone or as opposed to watching with other people, it really changes what you're actually watching and the way you see it, too. Yeah, and that's... That's a... Uh, God, there's probably a lot to that that I never really think about. It's weird. Like, you could watch a movie... You could watch a comedy in a theater by yourself and probably not laugh as much, but if you watch it with a full audience and everyone's laughing. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's infectious. Yeah. The laughing club thing, Travis just posted on our wall that, that this like experiment where, uh, a guy was laughing by himself at like a bus stop. Mm-hmm. And instead of people around him thinking he was crazy, they kind of did for the first little bit, but everyone ended up laughing in the end. And, uh, Oh, it's kind of like the, the, the whole line theory. Whereas if, you know, there's no line there, People don't really care, but if, you know, there's a line there, and it could be for nothing. People will still get in line. Yeah. Oh, that's scary, though. Hey, I don't it's like very, that. It very much is. It's I very... don't like that we have primitive uh, operating systems in our bodies. It can't be avoided. <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay, continue on. Uh, what What is your process behind making a video? Do you, do you like? Do you put a lot of thought into it, or you just kind of roll with the punches, or, or how, mm. how does that work? It varies from video to video. It's kind of the same as, as the podcast. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, in the older videos, uh, like I was thinking about uh, Todd and Mason and I would drink coffee and and smoke weed and not have like any footage logged. And we would just like, we would look for pieces of footage. It was the worst working process and the best. So that was like, Sometimes there was no idea in mind for like a title or none of the the footage was logged and there was no direction. And it was this super messy, slowly piecing this puzzle together. And then there's uh, more recently, a lot of the videos have been in chronological order. So there's been kind of like, or there's been a theme. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't know the title. Sometimes we do like uh Wacky Mode was a really good example that we wanted to make a video where everything was done just once and the camera rolled the whole time, all mistakes were kept in, and it's all in chronological order. And uh, even if it's just terrible that we want to keep it in, like we wanted it to be uh, like the opposite of, you know how people put the absolute best footage in a video edited together? We wanted to do like, what, what would the opposite of that be and that was how like that idea came about and we want to make more of those i'm pretty sure and then um the yeah there's like different ideas like the first 
mushroom blading idea was was to make a video as far away from the last video as possible. That was kind of the idea with weird skating. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of them, all of them have been chronological in terms of like, whether it's all the footage is in order or it had to be like all the footage from that day had to be edited together. So there's mm -hmm. like, there's certain ideas or limitations that you put on each video to, uh, I don't know. There's like structure that allows for more creativity. Um, right. The last one was a fluke kind of cause uh, all of the footage for that 6.66 that mm -hmm. we made was going to be for seven. And then when we started skating these Sebas, like, ha I don't know. Have you seen that? The suck it aggressive that we made. Oh yeah. You definitely. Watch that one. Um, okay. See, you know how Leon is in those, like the big wheel skates. He has mm -hmm. like some really amazing tricks at that skate park. It was like I saw. I remember filming him, and I saw that. Is this footage. the one we went up the stairs backwards? Oh yeah, that's in Imagine Blade Shen. In oh that, okay, no, oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. that was in Big Wheels though. Like, uh, like he did. He's just amazing in any skate. But it's like he had these tricks at the Salmon Arm Skate Park, um, and just his footage was so smooth and fast. And I realized like, there's no point in saving this other footage because. Um, Leon's stuff is just way better, so I wanted to like uh, use those skates, try them out, and make a whole video. So that wasn't that was just kind of like uh, I was walking home from work, and I think I sent Todd a text. I was like, "We should just make something with all the footage that we have and start fresh." And so yeah, it's totally varies from video to video, which is super exciting. And that's where it's almost it's frustrating to the point where I swear there's enough ideas for like 50 videos, but, and that's where it's fun and frustrating at the same time. So, and that was kind of the, the theme of the original idea of mushroom blading was to experiment a lot with video and with skating. And then the podcast came out of that kind of by accident. So it's like, it's just the fun of adventure, the fun and adventure of experimenting with, stuff and things i don't know fuck this actually bring me to the next next uh, note that i have like how how close to your original idea is the final product um that's the fun of making stuff uh because mm, i'm sure sometimes like, you really have an idea of how things are going to look when you go into doing it and then you film it it's like oh this is nothing like it i'm gonna roll with it you know Sometimes for like the more entertainment type videos, it's really easy to, uh, for entertainment type videos, uh, it's more manipulative in terms of, you can kind of like bottle how you want people to feel. So those ones are pretty easy. And then there's, there's other ones where it's completely different, but it usually in a good way. Because I've said before how uh, filming and editing are just so far from each other in the best way possible that uh, that when you're filming, you're not even close to the mindset that you're in when you're editing. That when you, when you sit down and edit, you should have no attachment to how you felt that day or anything. You should just watch the footage and, and see like... Uh, what your mind's telling you mm -hmm. um 
if that makes any sense. Fuck, what's the best way of kind saying? Of like, kind of like an outsider's view on it. Basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like when you sit down to edit the footage, if you filmed it, you should just yeah be as objective as possible. And I think that's why uh, you know a lot of people. And I haven't for I haven't done this for a long time. I'm thinking of returning, but like we smoked a lot of pot when we made like some of the old older videos. And oh. uh, going back to another Kevin Smith thing, it was like uh, he got into smoking pot because whether you're a fan of him as a director or not, it was Seth Rogen. He was working on Zach and Mary make a porno, oh. and uh, he told a story that that they were watching dailies like of of the you know, the filming of the scenes for the day. And yeah. Seth Rogen said, like, you should try, you know, you should have smoke with me or whatever, and you'll get an entirely new outlook on what you filmed. And and I think Kevin Smith started smoking weed at, like, 40-something, and it was, for that for that reason alone, like, uh, not that you need to do it, but it pulled him so far outside of his attachment to what he filmed that day that mm-hmm. he was able to see it in a completely new way. So um, I think over time... I've gotten better at tapping into that just without smoking anything, but I, I'm still interested in if that, if the shortcut could yeah. work again. But well, I, I, I was actually one of my notes, on a <laughs> different page. But yeah, I mean, it makes a big difference. Like when I'm stoned and I'm watching something, I'm focused on that, and I see things that I don't normally see, and I that I can appreciate it so much more than you know when I'm sober. Oh, sure. and some of the ideas, like I mean, some. Some I remember weren't good, but some of the like um, discoveries editing wise that can happen or yeah, when you're watching footage, I just remember like from laughing super hard or being so into the tiniest little movement of a trick, Uh it helps a lot. And I um, like coffee and alcohol are probably like they're okay for editing, but I remember that specifically marijuana. I wish it was a. I wish it was more accepted and available. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it's, getting be, it's getting to be like that. Yeah, it is. It, that's true. That's true. I've actually found um, quite a few people, uh, just even where I live, um, who would have been against smoking it or doing it when they were younger um, mm-hmm. and then quitting for a long time. There's a lot of people getting back into it just because they see um, the benefit of it compared to... Oh, yeah drinking every night or whatever a lot of people that i've talked to aren't a huge fan of it as a as like a social thing unless they're super comfortable with people but a lot of people i've said they love doing it on their own they love relaxing and watching a movie mm-hmm. or listening to music and i think that's where that's where it's like absolutely magical oh yeah i'm the same way i, I can't I, I can't really do it while i'm skating because then i get all paranoid and stuff and <sighs> yeah well it's like it's incredibly stimulating. Yeah, I haven't had. I've had a bit of luck here and there over the years, like the tiniest little puff once in a while. But no, it's sometimes it can bring you out of the zone. Every yeah. once in a while, I've had a moment where I've come up with a really good idea and been able to focus on it or whatever. Um, I think tiny little bits of edibles for skating could work really well. Oh, I could have been. Those are dangerous. <laughs> well, that's the thing. People. Um, like uh, if you munch on just the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest little pieces, I think that's where it could have benefit in skating. But holy, those things can you gotta, blast you off yeah, into space. You got to be in the right zone. You can't go too far over. And yeah, definitely, and, definitely. And you'll just be in a different world where shit does not work. Yeah, some of my best. I'm drinking the same way though too. I mean. Yeah, yeah, 
like uh do you do you ever have beer when you're out skating uh time to time but typically no we yeah. actually have a park here that that uh or it's like a it's not really a park but it's like a skating rink skate park basketball kung fu cornhole all kind of medley thing but like on on weekends they have a like a night session where you can bring your own beer and stuff like that and sometimes i'll do it then oh that's awesome even then like i'm just like i can't yeah, I think skating enough alone is enough to. Yeah. You know, like, and especially like in Vegas, like we went out drinking beforehand, and I couldn't even jump or do a soul grind or anything like that. I was like, oh man, I got come <laughs> down. It was it's not a good experience. <laughs> Once in a while, a beer is great, like um, just to take the edge off sometimes. Right, right. Like, uh, like that overstimulated vibe. I think I like doing it in Van- when I'm in Vancouver. I find the city can be like way too much to take in but again all of my best shit and my most focused times have been like without anything ingested for skating pretty much and uh and then you can tap into without taking the shortcuts you can i swear you can tap into all the states it just takes way longer Um, more work but i mean if you could do it without it i mean that's the best the ultimate power right there yeah and like drinking a shitload of water and skating that's mm-hmm. it's amazing you're hot you're getting healthy all around awesome. <laughs> just bring it back to urination that's what's called yesterday i drank too much water now i gotta pee <laughs> sucks and you can be super full from too much water that's a gross feeling too yeah. when you yeah. can feel it like sloshing around what's that you actually die from drinking too much water i've heard about that we were talking about we were actually talking about that yesterday um <laughs> About the uh, there was a lady here, like or not here, but in the U.S. Like she did a contest. It was when the Wii was popular. It was a hold your Wii for a Wii contest. Contest. What? I think she drank like seven gallons of water without peeing, and she ended up dying. It was for, for like a it was contest. For a station, so it was on the air. What? And, I mean, I, I guess she won the Wii, but holy fuck! <laughs> so it's possible to overdose on water. That's yeah. where um. I don't know. It's hard to believe that uh, that this is real when stuff like that happens. I don't know. It's hard to believe that that life is a real thing when ridiculous things like that happen. That people are willing to hold their pee until they die. But yeah. I mean, um, it's a total anomaly, but it's still a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh no, we still got. Oh, we got it like 20 or so more minutes. Holy shit, it yeah, does fly I, by, hey? I, I'm, I'm still on the first page. Oh, really? I'm Holy shit, so we'll have to do two of, parts. One of five. Yeah, I might have to. Let's keep going. Let's... Um, all right, keep it going. Um, I watched the, the Community Roots thing you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how, how much was your involvement with that? Because I, mean, I took some notes on that if you want um, to them out. I filmed and edited it and did the interview and was a one-man crew. I did everything. All right. Well, I, got I wasn't in it though. I wasn't the want, actual dentist. Oh yeah, but if you want, if you want my feedback, I, I, I can give it to you. Yeah. I was a, uh, I was kind of saddened, Joey. You know, I oh. feel like you could do much better. Really? Oh shit. Like, like I'll say that I'll, I'll start us off, you know, with the good note. I mean, okay. Yeah. I learned in school is that the end, the, the last minute or two, solid gold. Yeah. By all means, solid gold. But yeah, yeah. To get to that point was excruciating i mean not to be oh fuck. super judgmental but it was no hard. i love this i mean um like 
I didn't see like right, I got notes. More outside shots. Uh, I wanted to see the person talking sooner because I, I didn't know who was who was telling me anything. <laughs> now, there was a guy talking, but yeah, yeah. You know, I, and, and what I had the thing is, uh, and this is just my viewing experience. But when yeah. I'm watching something and someone's talking, your mind just kind of I, I can't even focus on the video because I'm trying to think of what who's talking and you know yeah, I'm trying yeah. to envision that person. And then I wish uh, let's see. Which had more feel, like the stars of lid video that you did. Like I didn't really get the, the atmospheric feel of it. Oh yeah, yeah of the place. Yeah, I, yeah. I had to, the, unfortunately, I had to keep it under area. five minutes, um, mm. for the film festival. But yeah, I totally get that too. I, um, it's a. Uh, oh no, but keep going. I want to hear okay. more. Did you have uh, more? the title slate? Beautiful. I will say that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, that's that's one of the things that I, I look for, especially when I'm watching a movie. Is like. If they don't have you know good graphics and whatever in the beginning to set it up, I'm like, oh, they didn't get the time of the day for this, so <laughs> probably not gonna put too much more production into it. Um, I think the lighting and the coloring could be a lot more dramatic. I mean, okay, it's a, yeah, yeah. Documentary, so like I wanted to get more feeling out of it. It was kind yeah. of more of a news type thing than more of a documentary. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's it, true. It, it, it didn't really put me in that zone. Yeah. Um. I wanted more B-roll shots, uh, B-roll and different things to support what he was actually talking about. Oh and yeah, it felt yeah. like there was a disconnect between what was being said and what was being shown. Yeah. So, again, my mind just kind of wanders, and I don't really pay attention when the two things aren't really cohesive. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, what else I got written? Possibly some animation to kind of break up things a little bit. Definitely. I know you're not really, like I said, you're not really in the After Effects or anything like that, but, you know, something, and animation maybe, big. you know, Photoshop or something to, you know, just an image just to make it, to break up the monotony of it all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Blurred out shot of files. I don't, oh, the files where you blur, you blur the names. Oh, that, my boss made me do that. I would have, I would have preferred like an overhead shot so you wouldn't have to do that. Yeah, know, good call. Good call. That was that an aftermath. Show off that you have a lot of a lot of patients because it only seemed like they had like three or four patients from that shot. Yeah, yeah. I think the the focus was uh, I do have to work on my storytelling big time, but keep going. Keep it's going. A, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. This is just my critique. No, it's I love it. Easy or anything like that. Um, uh, Zacharias's music, fantastic. Obviously, yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> And then I had have here end was super solid. I mean, the end was the end grabbed me, but it was hard to get to that point. So that's shit. I love hearing this because there. what's that? And that's all I got written down. No, that's good. I love hearing this because um that was going way outside of my comfort zone, and uh, I f I think I sh I shot that in just the day, and it was on a tight deadline, and I I got that whole thing done in like three days or something, like a really mm -hmm. fast turnover. Um, and there wasn't too much planning, so it was the first thing that I tried to do in that style. And I love all—I love hearing all that because, um, like, it, it kind of teaches me that I should go more towards my artistic feelings and not try too hard to be accessible. But then at mm -hmm. the same time, you have to work on like basic storytelling and stuff. So right. shit, I love hearing that. Yeah, I want to do more of those, um, but I feel like I shouldn't yeah. be afraid to get weirder, but at the same time, try and yeah, keep it's, it accessible. Yeah, it's more of an objective stance than more of a 
subjective stance on yeah. that. It, it, you know, like I say, when you get out of your zone, it's it's hard to kind of see that. And Definitely. like I said, you're trying to get more into a cinematic thing, and I think that that could have really benefited from that viewpoint. Shit! Thank you. I love hearing that stuff. Yeah, anytime. Well, I'll, I hope to anything do, I learned you know. from school, I learned, I, learned, I learned how to critique things. <laughs> I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, as as soon as I'm done with skate videos, which I don't think will, that's that takes up most of my focus. So I wonder. I can't wait to selfishly see when I make a documentary and I'm done with skate videos and I have more brain space to dedicate. But uh-huh. yeah. I can't. I can't wait to uh, make more things, and I want to hear more critiques in the future. Awesome. Um, like I said, I'm always here to offer my my two cents. I like it. And uh, well, it brings up to another thing. You do video as a job, yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Uh, how does how did you get started with that? Doing video as a job. Yeah. Um. Well, let me just give me a sec. One second. Yeah. Lucy, what do you got? My dog has something in her mouth that she's not supposed to have. What are you into? <laughs> Just a There we go. Hello? Hello? I'm here. <laughs> she had like a she had like a bracelet thing in her mouth and then mm-hmm. she was doing now she's staring at me and she did like you know the butt dance when a dog like wipes their butt on the yeah. floor. She just did that in protest <laughs> towards me. Um so how did I start working? Would you say like like as a job? Yeah, was that like we're like I'm gonna do video for a job. I'm gonna start looking for a job, or did it kind of happen? <sighs> that that's always been a battle. Deep down inside, I if I had it if I had it my way, I would love to do a career that wasn't video, mm-hmm. but have enough time to do video as a hobby. Right. Um. But it was going to film school was when I made the commitment that I guess I should pursue this because I like it so much mm-hmm. for skating, which is still the right choice. And then I my first uh, I took little paid jobs here and there, but my first real job was at like a high-end wedding video company in Vancouver. Oh, of out course, of, school. of course. Yeah. And then uh, I had a really tough time with that. Like I was good at it, but it was really hard to edit the full videos because it was like trying to edit a skate video like every two weeks to try and like finish a full nice masterpiece like I'm too much of an overthinker and I try too hard to make things perfect and uh which is great for wedding films but in terms of like a deadline and stuff like that it didn't work so uh then I I came back to Kamloops and I started um freelancing for that company so I would just get hard drives with and I thought that would be better because I could work at home and you know have time to skate and like i kind of i'm somewhat work on my own hmm, not time zone i don't know i'm kind of slow and the nine to five is a weird structure for me so i thought that would work better and still it was like it was tough doing wedding videos focus wise the trailers were kind of fun because they were short and it was closer Mm -hmm. to maybe what my style is again like I'm less of a storyteller and more of like a images to sounds type right. person. So the trailers were good. Um, and then I decided not to do that anymore. And um, then ended up talking with a friend from high school about like, we were both kind of not satisfied with our jobs. And Kamloops has always been like 
there's been so much potential to start a video company here because it's yeah. not too small and it's not too big and there's been one company for the longest time so that's when I became like a an entrepreneur for a little bit and that was super successful but um, I'm less of an entrepreneur and more of someone who I need like a boss and right. and uh, so I found myself now at um, another video company in town long story short I wanted to join up our company that I started with my friend and the competition and just have one video company that we all work under mm -hmm. um, and then he wanted to be more of an entrepreneur and I wanted more like consistency um, in terms of like one brand that produces all the videos so now I'm back to nine to five and that's the end of that story um, but Is through, that a... oh, oh go ahead. one more thing go ahead. through that though like um, I thought that maybe if it was my own company and I was doing some wedding videos a little bit through that that uh, that I could maybe do wedding videos but I've completely retired from wedding videos and I've told my my current it's good money, but it's it's hard. It's really hard work, and um, and uh, there's so much on the line, and there sometimes the clients can be really hard to please. Oh yeah. For very minimal money and a lot of work, so yeah. um, I've retired from wedding films, but if anyone wants a wedding film from me, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> 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 I usually only do it for friends now. <laughs> I might, I yeah, I might come That's out of retirement for a friend. Kids. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I've kind of it's the the journey of w working for video as a job has been really interesting for discovering what I'm like, what I like and don't like. So yeah. Do you feel does it? What? How does it affect your your actual personal work? Uh. It's it's perf it's great because um, I come up with I bring a notebook to work mm -hmm. and uh, I usually just write lots of notes and ideas down for it reminds me of like how the opposite <laughs> the opposite of profession this sounds really weird but like the opposite of like professional work is really important mm -hmm. so um, for every corporate thing that I've done, I get so much inspiration to make something as far away from that as possible. So uh, it reminds me of the freedom that you have to make anything you want with skating stuff. So, and um, it hasn't affected my work ethic or anything because I'll quite often get really excited to edit on the weekends even though I edit and work with cameras all week. So no, nothing too bad. Does it for you? Oh, it, dra it drains the hell out of me. To oh, yeah. Or something, then, you know, to work all day, staring at the computer, and then come home, and it's like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that from time to time. But it's, uh, if I'm really stoked on the idea, then, uh, then I'll, yeah, I get super excited. Uh, it's tough, though. Sometimes, like, if I'm really into editing something, um, things can go to shit, like, at home. Like when I'm really into editing something at home, mm -hmm. uh, it's always uh, measured by how messy things are around me. Like if I'm super into editing, there's just a mess. That's not yes. a bad thing at all. But oh, no, no, <laughs> you're into it. Yeah, definitely. 
right. Um, song selection is a big, big thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that controls the whole mood for anything you're watching. I mean, the wrong song can just totally ruin something. Where do you get the, like, how do you find the music that you want to use for a video? Um, obsessive. You pick a good one, too. I'll definitely give you that. <laughs> Thank you. Obsessive uh, amounts of time on uh, on Rate Your Music specifically, that site. I spend a lot of time on and lots of time um, downloading and looking for stuff. And then if I'm not listening to podcasts, I have earbuds in or headphones on almost all the time making playlists and uh, imagining uh, images to songs. That's like kind of like before I made skate videos, I would just, that was probably one of my favorite things to do was just like, be alone in my room and listening to music mm-hmm. playing with gi joes or drawing or like yeah that i don't know there's something so you're there. very very visual visual listener yeah and that's where i think i might not be like a storyteller type person in the long run and that mm-hmm. if i ever decide to make like a movie movie i'm so far away from it because i'm still kind of like i grew up watching music videos so mm-hmm. um but yeah, rate your music. I I'm obsessive with that site because it's it's user based. So if you find people that that love uh, you know 19 albums that you love, and there's one that you haven't heard of, I'll like you know I'll download it right away. It's like I love that about looking for music on the web. How quickly you can like click on something and click on something and click on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Just lots of listening, obsessive listening and searching. Do you ever get frustrated? Like, oh, I got to find the right song for this, yeah. this, this part. <laughs> yeah. And that, actually, that that probably sometimes, for me, it turns out to be longer than actually editing the video. That's super messy sometimes um, and confusing because do you ever have it where you think you have found the song and then you go back to it and then you're like, ah, oh, I don't think this yeah, is the song. Not the right one. Yeah. Or you'll you'll wake up and you'll watch it again and you'll be like, damn, I thought I didn't like this, but I actually do like this. And some of the best choices ever are like, you ask yourself, is this even going to work? And then kind of bring it back to what I was saying earlier. You, you kind of think that it's not going to work and then it grows on you over time. Some of like the my favorite things have, have been like that. There was a... Uh, um, I used a panda bear song, which is kind of like, it's kind of predictable, but I remember I, th- I thought I hated the section that it was to the panda bear song. And I, I love that section now. I don't know. Attention span is weird that way, but I guess it brings it back to the, you know, getting out of your zone and then realizing, oh, I do actually like this. Yeah. That's the hardest. That's probably one of the hardest things of editing. Hey, it's picking, um, picking songs oh yeah i mean that sets the whole mood for everything it's almost maddening sometimes that uh there's a david lynch talked about it um fucking that catching the big fish where he said Uh like it has to marry with the picture it can't just be it can't just be a song right to images it has to feel like it's all part of one thing you gotta it's gotta convey the motion you're trying to yeah convey. yeah it just has to feel good it's got to like hit you in the gut and like watching things too it's like 
if I if I hear a song that I like, I'm like, cool, I'll watch this, even if it even if it's absolute garbage. If I like the song, I'll watch it. And, uh, but on the flip side too, like if I hear another Linkin Park or Evanescence video, I'm just like, I'm not even gonna watch this. <laughs> it's weird sometimes how um, uh, it'll be like, yeah you like the song but you're not sure if you're a huge fan of the video that's to it but then you can grow to like the video because you like the song yeah i have that too evanescence oh shit yeah i'm gonna take it back a couple of years but i mean for a while their youtube was nothing but Lincoln park <laughs> jesus christ there is a rollerblading video that used that fucking song that uh wake I think me I up so. bring yeah. me back yeah, to life save that one. me I was like, oh, you have to have a little bit more originality than that. <laughs> that music is like rollerblading's cursed with that kind of music still in my mind. Uh, like uh, the, the intro to... Um, actually, no, that doesn't fit into the category, but we, we would always sing that. The It's not a bad song, but that Incubus song that was at the start of Aggressive Inline, I've been oh. crawling in the dark, oh, okay, yeah. looking for an answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's a good intro, though. There's a lot of really good tricks in that intro. All the ASA skating. <laughs> anyway. Um, keep on with songs. Like, I see it going waves, and like right now, it seems to be, at least to me, it seems to be old music and rap. Oh yeah. It seems to be a majority of what I'm seeing now. Before it was mostly old music and I guess rock, but it's weird that it comes in waves like that and I don't I don't really understand why. And especially oh. with the old music. I, I don't I don't I don't get it. I talk a lot with Todd about how um we live in a time where things should be there should be more variety than ever. But mm-hmm. it seems like um yeah, talking about the waves, things are more similar than ever there's still a lot of variety in skating but in terms of how evident um trend following can be across the board uh Mm -hmm. it's shocking sometimes you're talking about like that trebly sounding 50s greaser garage rock sound like like, there's some there's some jazz and stuff too which i appreciate but it's like really out of all the things you can select you pick this yeah it's weird we live in the future it's the year 2013 and there's a lot of different music to choose from, but we're we're kind of like looking back to a time of motorcycles and greasers, and it's like, really? I mean, it's fine if there's like one group of rollerbladers who are really into that, but there should be like, I don't, like it was so awesome, Carlos Pianowski, that there was like, shouldn't there be like a crew of metal rollerbladers that yeah, are yeah. that love Carlos Pianowski, and they make there's like a there's like a video with all metal in it like that doesn't it's just weird that well, that should be a thing and it's not it's like i mean there's some there, there's videos around the world and like i'll be watching a video of like south america and they're playing american music like you guys have your own music why can't you use that oh how awesome would that be there's uh some i think i've heard some rap Maybe in some Brazil or South America. I've heard a little bit of Mexico or something like that. There was some pretty sweet like rap that was, sounded local or something like that. That's that is cool. That's what the internet should be yeah. is kind of like celebrating, yeah, the diversity of where you live. But I don't know that 
it's scary to think about that. You know how we were talking about the the guy laughing or the line, people waiting in the line. Mm-hmm. It's uh that that Gangnam oh, yeah, yeah. Gangnam style. You know that that yeah, yeah. Gangnam style. That is it's the most viewed video on the entire planet Earth. I was talking wow. with someone about it's like I don't know four billion views or something like that. And and like the scary part of the internet is that things can get that big and that universal and it's like yeah we have variety but at the same time uh like how big something can get is super scary so i guess that's why we see the waves i don't know that kind of makes me happy in a way though because it's not your typical song so it's that is true something that's atypical made it rise above the ranks to become the most popular that is true can you imagine if there was like something um like rollerblading related that actually like looked kind of cool that just happened to be in a video that had 4 billion views it would be like <laughs> there's always the jokes about rollerblading being saved but that would yeah. be something that would save rollerblading a video with the most views on all of planet earth it's so weird that something can have that title now like you could play gangnam style in the weirdest corner of the world and everyone knows that fucking song that is kind of cool Anyways, that's a side note. <laughs> Came from South Korea, of all places. <laughs> yeah, that's true, hey? It came I from... was first, first hey. I was waiting for it. <laughs> what, to get big? The, the... No, no, I was waiting for the hey. <laughs> oh, the A? Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of worried I'd come to the podcast and say, hey, all the time. I was like, hey? 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 Yeah. I do it once in a while. I thought... I was expecting more. He kind of let me down on that front. I have. Well, it depends. I'll go back and forth. I'll, sometimes I'll sound more Canadian than not. But <laughs> fair what? enough. Well, I made it to page two. So I mean, do you want to call it now? Uh, you... Okay. Well, let's do just the first part of page two, and then uh, I gotta get back to my dog. My dog. All right. Uh, first thing, page two, spot selection. Oh shit! Is it there? I don't know how long that can go for. It. We'll um, it is, I guess just that 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 idea. Uh, spot selection. I mean, it's it's a thing. It's it, it's just like music, where you know it shapes the entire video, and um, uh, I mean it's so important. But like, how often I, do you dwell on it? Uh, never. <laughs> we <laughs> we <laughs> we uh, with no shame skate the same spots over multiple videos since like 15 years ago we've we purposely returned back to the same spots um but it's weird because spot selection i think only as a term i think that i swear that came from um like more thinking of skating in media terms and that um when there's photographers and videographers and i guess it's like you know, in fashion photography, oh, when they the movies too, like location scouting. scouting. Yeah, location. yeah, and that's where I was so confused about that term for the longest time. But um, I, I don't look at spot selection so much as uh, having spots in mind to go <laughs> to go skate, which I guess is the same thing. Fuck, um, <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> uh, for it's so different for me. Um, because uh especially quite recently skating like 
bigger wheels and rockered frames and not doing a lot of grinding but still coming up with a lot of new tricks i found that like very open spots with some weird objects but it's got a like nice pavement and uh, it doesn't have to look interesting it just has to kind of spark the imagination cam loop specifically is really good for shit being super dead like you can skate in yeah. cam loops on a saturday or sunday mm-hmm. and there's barely any cars in certain areas you won't see people and um i still you need to film in cities you need to have a bit of both but um i love wide open like wide open spaces nice pavement a few weird things to skate yeah that's changed a lot over over time for me i don't i uh the bigger wheels have been more about like exploring rather than uh, if I had aggressive skates like my rems on, then yes, that would be more like spot selection, like very specific, like focused things. Very so catered to yeah, I guess I quote unquote idea. But um, it, it, one more thing to onto that. I, when I watch videos now, I don't really look at the spot so much as what the person is doing. Uh-huh. So it's not as it's not super important to me. But at the same time, I guess I just did explain how <laughs> there's yeah. areas that I prefer. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's just, like I said, preference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, real quick, too, you brought up another thing, like um, cars and people. Like, that affects skating a lot, too. Yeah. I, I don't like skating in front of people. And I, you know, like, usually, like, when we're filming, like, I like to, you know, when there's a car driving by, I'm like, wait, car. I got to wait for the car to pass before I want to do this. Do you, do you yeah. get like that? Yeah, it that really depends on like uh, what's happening, um, like leading into that session, what I've been doing at work and what's been happening with my home life and stress and all that stuff. Uh, if I'm super stressed out and my mind's packed with way too much stuff, and I haven't uh, made a lot of effort to proactively uh, empty out like my trash bin in my brain, if it's too full of stuff then I would say the cars and the people bother me so much to the point that I might not even be able to go out skating. (laughs) Uh, And then there's kind of like a gray area where, yeah, for sure, I would like, I know now, I think it's because I'm older, I know when I want to go somewhere super secluded where Mm -hmm. I don't have to see anyone. And then there's times where I'm just like, uh, I've been doing lots of exercise and yoga and eating well which isn't always because it's it goes back and forth right you can't yeah, be well, completely healthy those, all the time those are two things that are in my notes too but oh, sh- wait till a different day. yeah we'll get to those uh if i'm super clear then um on a really good day um not only will i be able to like skate with the cars and the people but i'll be able to like engage with them and smile or wave or but um unfortunately the human mind <laughs> isn't designed to be in that state all the time so all right. yeah there's yeah it's good to just try and recognize how you feel before you go out skating because sometimes it oh man like crowded crowded skate parks or crowded areas if if i'm in a really bad mood it can put me in a way worse mood and then it's hard to pull out of it but mm-hmm. again that's why uh putting on some like like some speed skates or some really comfortable rec skates and just putting some music on and going for a super long skate. Oh, it can be super fun. But even those days, sometimes if I see 
too many people when I'm out doing that. If I'm in a bad mood, it's like it's, my brain can take me on a little trip in a bad way. Anyways, that's a rant of a rant. Cool. So, um, do we have, uh, maybe we'll do one more and then. Oh, uh, one more? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, talk about drugs and stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's a good one. Good job. Synergy between filmer and skater. That is also important. Holy shit. Yeah. That's that's um probably a lot of the best stuff that's been made recently has has been about that. Um I mean I get that a lot from your guy, you know, you and Todd skating. Yep. It uh Dustin and Richie is a really good oh, one. Oh definitely, yeah. Um Dom West uh is really good. Uh there's that there's like a CJ Wellsmore edit that he made. That's really good. And I, I'm forgetting one, though. I'm forgetting a really important one. Dustin and Richie, though, are probably a really good example. It's Oh, no. Eric, Eric Rodriguez. He really... Oh, yeah. Capsulated oh, him and Frankie. Him and Frankie oh, are pretty oh, good. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, that, the one where he's skating that like kind of like ghetto park. Mm-hmm. I love the edits where he's... I swear I'm forgetting... There's one more I'm forgetting. It's something really important that isn't talked about a lot. And... Uh, there's like an intuitive thing that happens where, um, uh, and we've talked about this because there's this uh, documentary that Todd recommended to me called Gerard Richter Painting. And it's, uh, I guess he's a really famous artist, but it's like him, it's, it's him and his process. Like you really get a feel for him making his paintings and it's not, uh, it's not overly snooty or anything. And we were talking about it'd be cool to watch a skate video where instead of uh, seeing like the actual tricks, it was all uh, filming the conversations between the filmer and the skater. Like oh. it was all about that. I'd, it would be cool to see something where that's big no one's ever really, I haven't really <laughs> seen anything that's talked about that. Cause there's um, like, do you know like, of anything? I like the uh, Hawks videos for that. He has some of that here and there. He does. Yeah, yeah, he has, or at least it definitely, definitely is watching him film in person too. He definitely, you definitely feel the energy between the filmer and the skater when he's when he's filming. Hawk, Tony Hawk? No, no, Hawk Trackler. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh God, no, no, no. Oh, oh shit! I, th- I thought you said Hawk. Oh no, I, Tony I, I Hawk. To Hawk Trackler. He, uh. You should recommend one. What like what's a? Oh shit! So oh, it's, it's just different. He, he keeps a lot of that stuff in. So I, like I see him, I, you know, I see him filming, but um. Like uh, he keeps some of that banter in. Yeah, some of the banter in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. I um, that's such a unexplored topic. That's well, probably um, uh, if I were to recommend one, I'd say probably Matt Lyon because he has a lot of. Okay. Uh, personality. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch that one. Um, yeah, it's uh, a weird. Sure like, how, I can't remember the video offhand, but yeah, there's a lot of. It's like it's pretty easy I, to, I guess, there. look him up, and I'll just look his name but up. I mean, that's, that was another point I have too. Is that like, uh, oh fuck, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, I was. Uh, uh, yeah. I have a point. If you forgot your point. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. It's a uh, it's a weird language that that you start to develop. That um, you have to be comfortable uh, trusting the camera dude to make suggestions if mm-hmm. on how to do something but at the same time you have to be open as the camera guy 
the skater when he's doing the trick or the movement or whatever mm-hmm. probably knows the best angle but oh man it the only way I could describe that is a super organic, messy process, like a lot of the best stuff that gets made. And there's like, there's long conversations that can happen for filming something that's literally like three seconds in the grand oh, yeah. scheme of things. And there's some amazing conversations that I've always wished we could have had, like if there was someone filming the filming of, like where oh, yeah. you actually have to talk about the dumbest little things. And I swear, a point for I guess a later podcast, but yeah, that's a treading on grounds that I. And that's it's something that it's a good question on your part because I think that would be something interesting to a larger audience. Uh Um, like they're so they're so used to seeing a fisheye angle, and someone doing tricks, whether it doesn't matter what sport it is, people are just so used to seeing uh, extreme sport fisheye angle. This is an awesome trick. They'd be, that's it. there'd be so that's many it. funny moments, like of, of a cameraman and the person just talking about like what they're about to do or planning it out. It's so funny to think about like how serious we take that. Uh, actually, uh, something real that that I like to watch back, like just to go over, because um, uh, the being pile video or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. My buddy Brandon was filming me before we got started on that, and um, it was uh, like at the school where it's a kink rail and then I take my skate off while I'm doing the trick and then put it back oh, on. Oh, so rail. good. But um, that took like, you know, a good two hours or so to actually do. <laughs> but the filming was the best part because... Um, he had to roll down the grass or something. No, right? no, no. Well, like, my buddy Brandon, like, we used to be roommates, so, like, we know each other pretty well. And I was trying to tell him to tell me different, just random words to uh, to kind of clear my mind and not think about the trick. Yeah. Before I did the trick, so it'd be like one, two, three, potato. So I would think about a potato the entire time, and just, just <laughs> watching that footage just makes me you know, just it makes me uh, smile inside. <laughs> See that stuff's so awesome, uh, and it'd be so good to get it. But at the same time, you'd almost have to be used to being having like two cameras around, which it would like change people's personas on camera. Oh, yeah. It would be so weird. So. You'd almost have to come up with a process where, like, you're mic'd up and the camera's filming from a distance and not being too intrusive. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still, it's like the reality TV show where it's not really real, so. Exactly. What is, uh, every cut is a lie or something like that? Yeah, something like that. The only way it could be real is if it was, like, three hours of real life with no cuts. And even then depending on the angle or whatever, it's still not And even real. then, if you know you're being recorded, you, you're yeah. not still the same person you are. Um, well, I, remember, I remember my point, too, is that when you're watching somebody and you've encountered that person you know, physically, it totally changes the way you see that video, too. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, uh, you, know, you have a much different stance than when you're watching it. Even if you not even converse with that person, you still have a different outlook on what you're about to see. That's where it's weird to think about um, what the next... Because they tried to do 3D TVs and they tried to do... Like, it feels like film and video as a as a way of communicating ideas and having experiences isn't going to go away for a really long time. I don't know, like, can you imagine... Like, the tools will change for making stuff, and we'll get better at using them. But can you imagine anything more than 
making movies? Like, how will that evolve? I, I if I had the answer, I'd probably be doing it because the, the, <laughs> there's still a disconnect between real life and media. I mean, yeah, and that like like seeing a show, comments. you know, seeing a concert in person is totally different from listening to the album. And then, yeah, that's uh, so there'll be more people filming more stuff and making more videos, but. I yeah I totally uh, I agree with you that I swear live performances and experiencing things live and live events and they're gonna get more and more popular over time hey like uh, I would hope so cause, I would I hope mean, so too because with the way things are going everything's so convoluted now that it really loses its its flavor so fucking camera phones at goddamn concerts put them <laughs> down. <laughs> Maybe snap a picture for memory, but like, really, if you're recording the concert that you're at through your phone, are like, are you gonna watch the video? I don't know. You're not experiencing it. I mean, like, I filmed, <laughs> I filmed the band for three, four years, and I, I left them this, this, you know, like two months ago, and that, that was the first time I actually didn't have a camera in front of my face and actually just watched the concert. It was uh, very surreal. But that that. That's different, though. Like, that's uh, that's good I mean, that yeah, you weren't filming it with the camera still, phone. But yeah, I know what you're it's saying. Still, it's still a whole different, yeah, different uh, reality. Yeah, it's oh, shit. That will get way too deep into the rabbit hole if yeah. we keep going down this. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we'll cut it off at there because that that could have teetered off into the brink of like another hour of philosophy talk. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's... Yeah, it would have been too much. So, yeah, we'll cut it off here. Um, I guess since since you're the host, do you have to cut it off now? Uh, yeah, you do. God, yeah. Man, you, have do you have to do the outro me. now. Uh, this has been uh, Joe McGarry, Tree Tree Rudolph, for the Mushroom Blading Podcast. Download it on iTunes. Uh, feel free to donate. There's a donate page on mushroomblading.com. And... Uh, Stay tuned for Mushroom Blading 7, Big Wheels. There will be big wheels involved. All big wheels, actually. You know that little shit. And, uh, fuck, I don't know where to go from there. Thank you. Good con- Thank it's a good you, Tree. Yeah. Good, good. Good shit. And we'll do, uh, we'll do part two of this. We'll do more pages of your notes eventually. All right, yeah, we'll get through page two. Okay. Thanks for staying up, and have a good night. All right, you too, bud. Later. See you.